Woke up this morning into my car to start my day. First stop is my buyer, who six months ago walked away. When I arrived, he treats me like a commodity. Give me a speck on his inner connect, he wants price and delivery. And if we're over $20, he tells me this business we're gonna lose. He's got a singing that old, don't know value. Welcome, everybody, to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we talk about all things value, up to and including building your entire company around the idea of customer perceived value, just like my guests today have done. They grew a business from a crazy idea to the largest wine brand in the world. During that, I love the story that they structured their company around customer value, and uh, we talk about things the same way. They sold that business and became best-selling authors uh, describing their business the barefoot way because the brand was barefoot wines which you've probably heard they now are instructors and speakers and authors uh, best-selling authors the the barefoot way uh, entrepreneurs they are um, affiliated with entrepreneurship programs at various business colleges around the world And wait, there's more. They've just embarked on a brand new venture that they're calling the Business Audio Theater, which is theatrically performed narratives. And they started with books. And now they're going to a variety of different types of corporate communication, um, up to and including uh, corporate culture. So please welcome Bonnie Harvey and Michael Houlihan. Great to have you here. Thank you. We're delighted to be here, Mark. Yeah, Mark, it's great to see you again. Um, I, Michael and I, I, I met Michael when, uh, right after he was a speaker at some conference, and he and I kind of did some mind melding, and uh, I've had a chance to meet Bonnie and Harvey in person a couple of times since then, and I couldn't be more thrilled to have you guys on, this, on the show. Thank so, you. Yeah, I just saw a statistic uh, given off by Vistage, and they said that only 11% of CEOs of small and medium businesses were satisfied with their corporate culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, I thought that was an interesting statistic to lead off with and, and have you guys share what business audio theater was, why you decided to get into it. Um, so tell us some of that, what you're doing, and then what you're doing with it. Okay, go ahead. Well, uh, business audio theater is just like it sounds. It's about business. It's audio, which means it's MP3, you know, like an audio book. Uh, And it's theater. That means that there's actors, there's scenes, there's action, there's outcome, there's music, there's sound effects, uh, there's takeouts, there's interviews. So it's quite an immersive experience for the listener. You know, uh, in the 1940s, you used to see those pictures of the family gathered around the Phillips radio, and they were just transfixed on the speaker. And you had to ask yourself, you know, in our video age, what the heck were they looking at? You know, it's just a speaker. But no, what they were looking at is the picture in their brain, because they had created a scene that was part of the story. They had become participants in the story that they were listening to. And as a result, they became transfixed. They became totally immersed. 
And that's why we decided to go with business audio theater. We took a look at, you know, just playing business audio. And it, it seemed single dimensional. Somebody read a book to you. Maybe they were a TV actor or maybe they were a celebrity, but they were reading it to you. So we said, well, what happens if it's performed for you and yes. not just read to you? And oh boy, that changed everything. I mean, it was, we've, you know, now, now we're up for uh, the 2020 uh, Audi Award. We're one of five finalists. Uh, and this is in New York. This is the Audiobook Publishers Association. They have recognized what we've done as an, an, an enhancement, if you will, to audio. Yes, it's the Academy Awards of Audiobooks. So we are so thrilled. We're going to uh, be back in New York in a couple of weeks to hopefully accept our award. Yeah, and I'm yeah, I'm excited. I keep on. I'm on your mailing list for kind of the business audio theater updates, and and I kind of know about these things. I'm really excited from you. You actually took your book, your best selling book, The Barefoot Spirit, and turned it into one of these performed audio books. And yes. tell us about the different experience between the the paper copy and the business audio theater, uh, theater performed audio. Mm -hmm. I don't want to even call it a book, but yeah, <laughs> audio experience. Yes, it's a production. It's, you know, a fully casted production. We even have Ed Asner playing one of the characters, which is pretty exciting. And by putting it, uh, it first of all, it was a New York Times bestseller. It's a very entertaining story. There's a lot of characters and a lot of dialogue in the book. And when we saw so many people coming into, you know, the auditoriums where we speak and they were wearing earbuds and we thought, well, if that's how they're getting their information, they were listening to self-improvement, you know, MP3s and such. We said, if that's how they're getting their information now, then that's how we have to, you know, perform our story. The barefoot spirit is in this form, this audiobook form. But, because we have actors, you know, acting out the different roles, not just reading it, but really acting everything out, the person that's listening becomes fully absorbed in the story. And I've had people tell me it's 3D audio because it's full spectrum with the sound effects and the music. And uh, it's very fast paced, so it's energizing, it's entertaining. And what's really exciting is that people can be listening to it without being distracted by driving. You know, you can't watch a video or a movie if you're driving, but if they're commuting to work or if they're jogging or if they're doing housework, they can be listening to this at the same time. And it's just a play in your mind. And because you help in the creation of it, it helps you remember the stories and the lessons. That's yeah, and that's... That's the part I wanted to uh, amplify is what Bonnie said there about remembering the stories and applying the principles. Because if you're a CEO uh, and you're, you're not happy with your company culture, uh, we suggest that you take a look at business audio theater. 
But we, what we do is we take the founder's story, you know, when the founder was in the garage and he was run out on his credit cards and his wife is yelling at him and, you know, the, 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 the debtors are banging on the door. And, and then you are immersed into that scene and you see this guy and you go, oh, my God, that, I work here at Hewlett and Packard and that's, that's Hewlett and Packard in the garage and they're scared to death. They aren't going to have a sale tomorrow. Wow. They're just like me. I would be just as scared as they are. And so now you begin to, as an employee, identify with the founders and their founding principles. And that is the backbone of company culture. If people can't identify with what it took to create their job, how can you expect them to be fully engaged? And how can you expect them to stay on the job for more than two years? You know, I, uh, I couldn't agree more. I started working at one of the most influential jobs I ever had in my life was with a company called WL Gore and Associates at Gore-Tex. And I joined them, I was just thinking about 31 years ago, and they had the tribal stories of the company's youth. Bill, mm. Bill was a research scientist and couldn't get DuPont to do anything with Teflon, so he started his own company, cashed in. And George Hansel had to crawl up on the uh, power pole behind their house because they needed more power in the basement. <laughs> so he, he hot wired uh, to get direct power. And uh, <laughs> Vive Gore, Bill's wife, the founder's wife, came into the kitchen one day and, and her, uh, frying, her electric frying pan was gone because they had stolen it to use as a piece of production equipment down in the basement. And this is what <laughs> This is what we do. This is who we are. We're experimenters. We're entrepreneurs. We make things happen. And um, that was a part of that tribal story was told over and over uh, about who we are and what we do. And it was memorable because it was a story. Mm -hmm. yes. Absolutely. And you know, you know, one of the things that you're speaking that occurred to me is that when you're listening to a story like that, just contrast that with typical, you know, off the shelf corp corporate culture. Now I've worked for some very large corporations and Bonnie and I have had corporations as clients. And one of the most difficult things uh, that we have to deal with is the division of labor. You know, we get people who say, yeah, the company failed, but, you know, I was in engineering. I had nothing to do with sales. I was an engineer. And they feel isolated and insulated from the sales process because they're an engineer. Another guy will say, yeah, the company failed, but, you know, I was a, I was a bookkeeper. I had nothing to do with sales. And the fact of the matter is that company culture really has got to have a backbone of sales. And when you hear those stories about those hard times that those people had, whether they were borrowing power or, you know, the coffee pot, uh, that's because they didn't have money. And it's because nobody would give them the money. Yeah. Uh, but when you hear these stories coming out of Silicon Valley, you get the idea that oh, there's these VCs running around. They're going to write you a big check. You can write a business plan and, you know, just execute the plan, you know. And if you need more money, go ask for more money. Yeah, poof a miracle occurs, the money will be there, yeah. Exactly. And it's, it is not like that. Yep. So in my world of uh, sales performance and sales training, uh, there's a big buzz term, big push now towards getting salespeople to be good at storytelling rather mm -hmm. than pitching. 
And actually, I saw a major thought leader in the sales performance space yesterday give her thoughts. And one of, you know, one of her little thoughts for the day was that storytelling is the new pitching. And I politely said, if, if telling, you know, we, the old, I don't know if you've ever heard the old sales saying that telling ain't selling. Um, <laughs> you have to be asking questions. So if your mode of selling was telling, then definitely storytelling is better. Um, because these people who have researched storytelling have said that there are centers in the brain, if you're uh, interested, it's the amygdala, that become engaged when you're hearing a story that aren't engaged when you're just hearing a sales conversation or when you're hearing a regular story or when you're reading uh, dry technical manuals. That mm -hmm. imagination doesn't engage. And so I teach my clients either go ahead and do storytelling, but if you do that, make sure you follow up with um, the, you know, the alternate besides storytelling might be asking questions in a way that causes that your counterparty, that prospect, to place themselves in their own narrative, their mm -hmm. own narrative of their own life. Can you imagine yourself experiencing this outcome? Oh yes. Well, what will that change in your life? Uh, and here, and you, they describe that. So it's kind of asking them to tell the story to themselves, and I think yes. it probably engages the exact same parts of the brain. And that storytelling center, if you will, um, makes a memory much more recallable, much more vivid. Yes. And there's actually chemicals that that part of the brain spits out when you're experiencing one of these things. There's dopamine for pleasure, oxytocin for excitement. Um, and so that memory actually becomes visceral. That memory has has artifacts all through your body. And I think you guys are really onto something with business audio theater. What do you think? Yeah, we agree with you completely. I think it's the best way to learn things. And it not only sticks to the mind better, but it's very entertaining. So people want to be entertained. Um, of course, you know, if you've got a good speaker, you're going to be paying attention and, you know, excited about hearing them. But if you've got a boring speaker, nobody cares. So obviously you need to have a good story to tell. So if it's put in a way, if we could take the founder's principles and history of what that, that founder experienced in the beginning and put it in interesting stories and give that to the employees, then you will have the engagement and you will have the teamwork and you will have the excitement about working for that company, the enthusiasm that the founder really wants his staff to have. Yeah. I, so, go ahead, Michael. So I was going to say, so for instance, uh, if the founder wanted to uh, imbue uh, his employees, say, now and in the future, and his prodigy to, to say, be resourceful, See, in other words, don't just throw money at the problem. Use your brain, right? Well, then the story that he would tell would be a story that shows him having to be resourceful because he's up against the wall. He's in a financial bind. He has to think his way out of it. 
You know, he has to be resourceful. He has to ask himself, who benefits if I benefit? Well, they're my natural ally on this. Or, you know, who gets hurt if I get hurt? Well, they're, my, they're a natural ally. And so this person now is listening to the story about re being resourceful, and he says, oh, I see. I have to look for who my strategic allies are to help me solve this problem. Exactly. So now that's a business principle that is carried through a story. Yep. And what we've learned is in working with CEOs and working with founders that the story gives them examples that they can wrap their head around because the story is a story about real events that really took place. So that skeptical part of their brain that wants to filter out all the noise is actually is actually put down. So now their shields are down and they can beam people aboard, right? Yeah. Well, what they're beaming aboard here is a story of their founder in a jam solving a problem by identifying strategic allies and working with them to solve the problem. So now the employee says, oh, I get it. See? And yeah. The, um, in uh, college, in consumer behavior, uh, we learned about some behavioral economics. And one of the principles was called the availability principle. Uh, if you're using, if you want a prospective customer, or if you want another person to be able to think of something uh, in the research that I, the way I learned it was when they're making a buying decision, if there's a criteria you want them to pay attention to or to call to mind during that business decision, it has to be one that's easy for them to call up. And the ones that they can recall are the ones they'll use. The ones that they don't remember in that decision-making moment don't enter into the decision. And when you have made that memory, when you have made that memory a story that's more visceral, and that person is in a stressful moment of I don't have resources and I have to be resourceful. You want to have that person have told themselves the story and visualized a story mm -hmm. of resourcefulness so that in that stressful moment, you can count on them to walk, start walking down that path themselves. Because a million times in an organization as a big corporate leader, you've known those things have happened in an organization and you didn't have the time uh, as a major corporate leader to coach everybody through that first step of being resourceful or being creative. You, you want to try to get them to do that themselves. And so, um, man, this is, I'm really excited for you guys and uh, really excited to see where you take it. What's, what's next? Well, we're actually going to be at eLiance, which I believe you're familiar with. Yes, I am. I have been invited back and I'm going to bring my boyfriend over here and we're going to talk about business audio theater because I believe that there's a lot of people out there that have wonderful stories to tell that their employees would love to hear so they can save their own legacy in business. That's great. And then uh, I guess after Alliance or no, before Alliance, we're off to New York. We're going to go to the Audi Awards dinner uh, in New York. And, uh, you know, I don't know if we're being presumptuous or just thinking <laughs> positive, but we've already written Pre our acceptance. <laughs> we we've written our acceptance uh, speech. <laughs> you, you have to do that because in the moment, you will be too flooded with adrenaline to come up with something to say. You're gonna <laughs> That's right. 
Um, and actually, I'm going to be at that same Alliance's meeting uh, with, my, with my book. My book launches a few weeks before that. Well, congratulations, uh, so, Mark. So uh, I'm, you'll, you'll get your copies of my book, hard copies of my book when you're there. Thank you. Well, we, we've read the, the script. It's a really uh, a poignant book. You deal with some real issues uh, in corporate culture, and you put your finger right on some of the hot buttons uh, that people really need to take a look at. Um, you know, unfortunately, people get hired and, you know, they wind up working their way up. They become third, fourth line managers and somebody above them says, oh, you got to improve the culture. Oh, OK. So they they go to a talk on company culture or they bring somebody in and then they check that box off. See, yeah, but it's not <laughs> company culture is not a vaccination. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not a it's problem like, you solve. It's a condition you create. It is. And it, it, it requires, you know, spring training every year. You know, this is, this is something that companies have got to commit themselves to in terms of rote uh, and, uh, and just uh, this, is, this is what we do here. You know, we spend 10% uh, of our time on improving our company culture. See, and you don't lose anything by that because once the company culture gets repaired, communication takes place better. Customers are more loyal. You know, you have less turnover. You know, turnover is the number one cost in any business. You train the guy or the gal and they leave you in two years. See, uh, and you're just a notch on their belt to, to put on their resume and they're down the ramp and now they're working for, you know, Nike and they're doing the same thing for them. But yeah. What you really want to do is you want to build relationships. You want people to stay on board who have those relationships. Uh, you don't want to go through all the, you know, heartbreak of trying out new people, taking people off the job, you know, to train them. And yeah, I mean, I can tell you, turnover is the number one problem in any business. Well, just, yeah, it's not just the cost of hiring. It's the cost of lost productivity while they're getting up to speed. Uh, if it's in a sales area, it's the cost of all the sales you aren't making, not only while the territory is empty, but while that person's getting up to speed and not selling as much as they should out of that piece of dirt. And so uh, all those costs are very real costs that just don't appear on, don't all appear on the financial statements. No, it's often a hidden cost, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. What's the cost of losing your customer because your salesman took your customer with them to their next, to his it's, next employer? It's impossible to come up with a number, but you know that it's hurting the company. Yeah. yeah. And what's the cost of uh, the, the lady in supply who has the relationship with the vendor who's giving her product uh, at no interest for 90 days because he likes her? Yeah. You know, then you lose that relationship. So, I mean, there's so, so many things that are kind of intangible that corporations don't measure. And, and we get excited about an entrepreneur's idea. We're, we're really excited about getting their product or service out there. And it just seems a real shame and a waste of time and energy to have turnover and all these problems when it's really not necessary. If you've got a good core group of people and they're all working towards the same goal and they understand the founder's excitement and, and standards and principles and the story 
that that founder has to bring the company to where it is, if they understand that and they're all working together, that enables the founder to continue with the mission of producing, selling, improving that product or service that he or she has. And that's what we want. You don't want to waste time with that other stuff. And you don't have to. You that's, just have to build a good company called. That's great. Well, um, what a great discussion we've had. And I could, we obviously, we, I could keep going all day. Um, Bonnie, Mike, why don't you uh, tell us how we can get a hold of you? Um, tell people how they can get a hold of you to learn more about uh, Business Ozio Theater, the Barefoot Spirit, and so forth. Um, web addresses, emails, whatever you want to share. Okay, so if you would like to, go ahead. <laughs> if you'd like to listen to some free a free chapter from mm -hmm. our, you know, Barefoot Spirit audiobook, you go to uh, www.barefootaudiobook.com, and you can listen to a free chapter and some snippets from throughout the book, just so you get a feel for what this really is. And you can order the book there as well. You can order the book there, yes. And, uh, you know, we did this uh, on our own book because we wanted to have an example that we could show uh, people in HR, people who are, who are founders of companies and CEOs who are concerned about their company culture. Uh, and they can, they can contact us uh, through um, uh, www.com. Um, uh, TheBarefootSpirit.com. Yeah, TheBarefootSpirit.com. Super. So, well, Bonnie, Michael, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for sharing your thoughts. And uh, like I say, I'm really excited to see uh, where Business Audio Theater goes next. Uh, thank you. And remember, everybody, that value is something that only exists in your customer's mind. And that means that your success is all in your customer's head. Thanks and have a great day. Well, it ain't easy, cause value's in your buyer's brain. If you're selling on only your features, you're gonna drive both of you insane. And if you ignore your customer's outcomes, you're bound to be paying your dues, cause you'll be singing those old don't know value blues. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.